Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. Bruce, how you doing today? I understand you were in the, the New York office for uh, for the first time in a while. How's things uh, up there? Yeah, we were in, uh, we had kind of a welcome back meeting with uh, senior management and staff. And we hired a whole bunch of new people and all that information is going to come out towards the end of the month. Toward, this is April, towards the end of the month. And um, specifically, you know, because we're down a couple of reporters, as you well know, Jeff, and people on the sales side, too. So it was good. It was a good meeting. It was great to see everybody's faces. All the art department was there and all the editors. And so it was nice to it was nice to catch up with people and kind of get on a New York City roll. I understand it was pizza and beer. And then at the end of the day, around 4, 430, yeah. we knocked off. We had some uh, New York pizza and some lukewarm beer. All right. Wash it down. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a uh, sounds like an investment news party to me. All right, well, I want to I want to get into it here. We've got uh, we got a really special guest uh, this week, Ron Carson, founder and chief executive of Carson Group, a firm that manages twenty billion in assets and serves more than forty thousand families among its advisor network of one hundred twenty partner offices, including thirty five Carson Wealth locations. Now. I got to tell you, folks, if you're not following Ron Carson on social media, you're missing out. It's uh, he takes you to a lot of places most of us don't get to go, and he he gets out there in the wild with a usually a knit hat on and uh, feeds us some what he calls Ron sense, uh, little bits of wisdom from uh, Ron's world. Uh, Ron, great to have you here. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Hey Jeff, thanks for having me. And uh, by the way, thanks for the plug on Ron sense. I. Uh, I'm going to be coming to you from Nepal here uh, in about three weeks. I'm going to go do Everest Base Camp, and oh, so man. yeah, and I, you know, and I like doing them from from different different spots, but I love giving just a little bit of, uh, you know, I've lived a lived a life where I've made a lot of mistakes and feel like I can help people maybe shortcut, you know, some of the stuff. So that what's a little the little vignettes are vignettes are all about. And by the way, Bruce, when you said warm beer, it's like they it's i don't drink that much beer when i do i like it like ice cold it can't get cold <laughs> enough for me <laughs> there you go and bruce and i have had a couple uh cocktails together so we've had a couple know, of beers a couple of cocktails over the years cold. but never yeah. while you were flying wrong no not in the airplane so not in well, your airplane the, so just the, in, a, in a restaurant or bar so the, the wealth management industry is littered with with folks that have had a cocktail or two with bruce kelly so, um, but uh, let's talk about the big news at Carson Group this week, uh, Ron. You, you snagged Burt White from LPL. Uh, Burt White, for, for those of us who aren't completely familiar, uh, was the uh, chief investment officer at LPL. He, um, he was there for 14 years. He announced in August that he was leaving, uh, but he was staying with the firm until, until just a couple of days ago. And... Uh, Ended up at uh, Carson Group. But Bert, we interviewed Bert about all this, right? Yeah, we did. We talked to him about it. He shared us. Uh, he, he didn't give us a lot of the details about where he was going and stuff. And he probably didn't know at that point. But Ron, let's let's hear how that all unfolded and what your uh, thoughts are about having Bert White on board in a brand new position. Yeah, what Bert's going to be doing for you and what he adds really for, for you guys. Yeah, so first of all, uh, couldn't be more excited to have Bert. I've known Bert uh, from the very first day. You know, he started at LPL and, and the second I, you know, met him, I just knew, you know, this was a person that 
yeah, I really liked, had a big heart, um, loved advisors, loved the work that we do. And, uh, and Bert and I just hit it off from, from the very beginning. And, you know, and I've always gone through life as I built Carson Group, making a file of people that if I ever had the opportunity, had the chance, yeah, I would, I would love to work with them directly. And, uh, and Bert was always on that list. And I just learned this yesterday, by the way. So this is breaking news. So Bert, we kept it a surprise. I've been working on this for a long time. And, and when I say working on, you know, really Bert had a whole list of things that were really important to him, really around culture. And here at Carson, we're really careful about who we add to the, to the soup, Carson soup. And so that was an intense, you know, due diligence process really on both sides, even though we knew each other, what did we really know about what we were currently doing? And Bert had shared yesterday, because we have all of our partners in Omaha for the last two days, or just, just concluded here a little bit ago, Bert said he knew in 2019, um, he was going to work with me. And uh, so I, I learned of that yesterday. And I was speaking uh, at a, I was a Barron's conference and in Salt Lake City, I didn't even know he was there because I, I remember this conference. I came in and I had to leave immediately after my talk. And he said, I made a comment around technology isn't going to replace the advisor. Technology is going to help the advisor do our job better. This is always going to be you know, a really a human-centered business, at least in our lifetimes. And he said that comment just rattled around his, his mind. And he goes, I want to go, I want to go work with those guys. And so we, we made it happen. I mean, Bert's got, this will be his last stop. I have no doubt about that. And, and we're about, you know, the connection isn't as much around financial services as it is around impact that we can have. We just went north of 42,000 families here a couple of days ago. Um, and, you know, and at LPL, and Bert was a big part of, the, of what LPL did. I mean, he you know, the firm has a trillion dollars in assets and I think 50 million families that they serve. We want to, we don't necessarily want to be the biggest out there um, because, you know, we're, we're big believers that the right mission leads to growth. Um, and if growth is first, then you lose the mission. And so we're, we're a mission-driven organization. We could be five times bigger today. We could be a hundred, literally a hundred billion dollars if we just added anybody and everybody to to the to the mix. And I had a couple of new, well, more than a couple. We had a half a dozen new offices here over the last couple of days. And just the the comment they made uh, around the culture is, I've never been in a room with so many successful people that I didn't feel a huge amount of ego. And we all have to have some ego to be in this business, but I think that's why that's what really attracted Burke. He could see the the camaraderie, the energy that we have at Carson. He wanted to make sure we were really focused on on the mission and really serving the people we serve, advisors and the end client at the highest level. As far as what Bert's going to do, we I created a new position. He's going to report directly to me. And he sits on the board and he's going to go a lots of different places. I think there's a lot of just in going through the, the due diligence process, we, we had just things we were working on that Bert had, you know, commented or had knowledge, global knowledge. And we're just blown away by, you know, he was pretty much involved in, in a lot of different parts of, of, of the LPL's business. 
and uh, and he just he brings a depth and experience. I mean, we're gonna you know we're gonna we'll be a trillion dollar firm someday, and and so he's gonna be helpful on the strategy side on helping us get there in the right way, keeping our mission forefront uh, and top of and the guiding light of every decision we make here. That's, that's yeah, we were going to ask you about what he's going to do. And, and I did have a long conversation with Bert uh, yesterday, and I had a conversation with you about this too. It sounds like it's a, it's a position that is going, going to evolve. But uh, as you said, you're going to spend a lot of time flying around the country with Bert, right? Yes. Yeah, Bert and I will get out on the road and really do a listening tour. And, and I've been doing that a lot, Bruce and Jeff. I've, uh, I did it last year. I've done it this year. It's amazing. It's one thing to do a Zoom meeting, but getting belly to belly with people and hearing what, what's working, what's not, what their fear and concerns are, has really been, has been great. And it's, you know, we get a lot of that from our partners, but I also want to get a, bit, a lot of it because our partners don't have a lot of the challenges others have because we do so many things for them. And I, was, I, I want to keep my pulse on our profession and, and what are people struggling with so we can help solve for that. So we can continue to attract, you know, high quality people that want to be part of part of our, our tribe and part of this movement. Where, where do you see Bert's contribution, like thinking of some of the some of his experience at LPL? I mean, I, I think of technology, but. I don't know if Bert's known as a as a fintech guy. Actually, he said he's a great me, public speaker. He said to me, fintech is one of the few areas where he hasn't uh, he hasn't worked yet. But he says he's kind of covered every other corner of, of wealth management. Yeah, I mean, for, I think I think Bert is the best speaker in our profession. But hands down, uh, I think he's the best. He uh, he's so authentic. He comes he comes at it with a powerful story. Uh, man, he, he gave an amazing talk yesterday at, at Partner Summit for all of our partners. He's all, he almost preaches. He gets up there, Ron. Oh, and, man, and, he uh, does. And, it, and you, you know, know I don't coming. know, you know, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I've been at several, you know, LPL meetings, you know, which LPL has invited reporters sometimes over the years and sometimes not. And, L, and everybody looks forward, the whole audience, you know, looks forward to Bert's speech and, and they come back, you know, that, you know, you know how people, how advisors stuck out of these big meetings right mm -hmm. so but they're all there to hear Bert and he mixes the stuff with the markets and personal observations you know in, in, a, in a very skillful skillful manner I was just wondering if he's going to be like on CNBC are you going to make a big push to get him in front of you know the Wall Street Journal or CNBC or Fox Business yeah I, all of that is that going to be part of the whole thing to market Carson Group more broadly or what Yes, he definitely will. I mean, that was one of the questions really Bert had coming in. Before we go there, I want to just address the tech piece because we also added Namesh Patel, who is our CIO. Namesh is amazing. I can't wait for you guys to talk to him or meet him. I mean, this guy is not only the real deal, but it's hard to find someone that gets the business and the, and the tech side simultaneously. And Namesh is a phenomenal leader on top of that stuff. He's really good about where we're going. Bert, on the other hand, I've never met anybody that has connected as well with advisors as Bert has and can motivate people, both retail and the advisors, to a higher, uh, a higher being, right? A higher way of them living their life. 
he is he comes at it with with such with such an open heart and and great energy that he really does make pe people all around him better but one of the concerns bert had coming into carson he goes gosh is there really room for a bert and a ron and uh and i said yeah no he's very, <laughs> good. no that's a fair question right i thought it was a good you mean question. two big personalities yeah yeah and and you know what we learned? Like Bert and I are both, you guys are gonna laugh at this, but we're both introverts. And I'm like, Bert, you you want the stage, you can have it. And he goes, No, you can have it. And I'm just like, we're like, well, you were asking about there being room for for both of us. Um, I go, there's lots of room because we love doing it, but it just exhausts us. And I go, I would love, you know, to have. Uh, we, we do. We've got a lot of people that are out there telling the Carson story, but some of the best introverts make some of the best extroverts. Ron. I, you know what? I think that's so true, Bruce, uh, because you when you do it, you got to really bring it. You got to focus on it. You yeah. can't really wait. Right. You got to really be prepared you know, for what you're going to do or you'll crash and burn because uh, soon as there's a crack in the in the in your confidence, you can you can spiral pretty fast. I've had that happen to me. You know before hey Brian, talk to us a little bit more about what's what's going on at uh at carson group i mean i know you got that brand new headquarters out there i've seen some pictures of it but um you know you you kind of unveiled this thing right in the middle of a covid pandemic when i mean how did you get people yeah in that's there? right and, and are you aware what is the status of people working in there now working in the office yeah now? we're we've been a hundred percent back since last june Jeff, we virtually have had, we've had a few minor, uh, I'll call it infections with our internal stakeholders, but uh, none that we can trust, trace to, you know, here, and they've, meaning that they didn't contract it at work, and no one's gotten very sick from it, um, meaning is everything's been, been really minor, so we've been very fortunate, we've been very careful, we've, you know, when we were back, everybody was masked up, but even prior to coming back, People were able to work remotely if they so choose. And so we were really prepared. Uh, but people wanted to be back. I mean, there's there, this movement around everybody want to work from home. I love it. I love the convenience of it. But there's a cost. I mean, collaboration, spontaneity, the overheard conversation that you have something to add to gets lost. And I think the reason why the first year after COVID, people were like, well, this is no big deal, is we had had um, pre-existing condition as we had all been together for a lot and we had a lot of momentum already from the energy and conversation ideas that carried us forward and kept us busy for a while but then you know that started to wane so our our stakeholders opted back in came back into the office and if you get I hope I hope you guys can visit sometime people that come in say you know and I'm bragging about our, our office now. I'm like a, a proud father. Um, it is it is an incredible energy here. I mean, people want to be here. Bain, when they did the deal with us, said this is the nicest building. They've done deals all over the world. Said this is the nicest building they've ever been in. Uh, and it, it's it's not just the structure. It's the the fitness center. It's the sit stare. It's you know it's the um, collaboration rooms and the games, cornhole, cornhole, ping pong. Wait, we got a a really fun environment when you when you walk in. So we have no problem getting people to uh, to want to want to be to be here, to come back. That's cool. You mentioned Bain, so I'm going to ask you about private equity and private equity's influence on uh, on wealth management. Um, 
we've written a number of stories about it. Uh, it's, it's it's obviously I think it would be difficult to deny that it's it's driving consolidation. Uh, and I guess you could say fueling growth. Um, what was your thinking going into a relationship with a private equity investor? And is it something that other advisors listening to this could learn? I mean, how do you go about it? How do you, you know, decide to do it? What are some of the things you should look out for? Things like that. Yeah. And Ron, excuse me, just describe what happened with the, you know, the history of the outside investment going back several years and then Bain last year, if you could. Yeah. So, um, well, first, let me just give a, a little bit of a, what, what, what my understanding of was private equity and then the reality of private equity. I was always told, you know, you really don't want to do private equity. They're going to they're going to dictate the terms of your business. It's really expensive capital. And I really carried that with me for a long time. It's like, well, I don't want someone taking control of my business. And I certainly don't. I don't want to have really expensive capital. So I really resisted it. And I got to a point in our business where I just felt like, I didn't have the skill set to really take it to where I wanted to go. I was missing some pieces, but I didn't know what they were. And so I thought, you know what? I'm gonna at least gonna talk to some strategics out there, potentially private equity, and just try to find out for myself. I mean, I think as a society, we had a lot of we had a lot, a lot of people do our thinking for us sometime. And I think I had fell, fallen victim to that a little bit. And we had were introduced to uh, Cheryl Penny of Dynasty actually introduced me to Jim Brown, who was the founder of private equity firm in New York. I just hit it off with him. I mean, and just talking to him and some of his, his, his key people, I was like, I think they could really add a lot. I think they could help us really professionalize the business and go to the next level. And so we did some negotiations. We didn't run a process and uh, long is long Ridge is the name of the, the company. They came in and they originally were wanted to have this structure and they wanted to have these preferences. And I'm like, listen, I'm not looking for a financial transaction. I don't need capital. I need capabilities. And uh, if you're not willing to come in and be shoulder to shoulder with me, you don't have anything, any special equity. I'm not interested in doing the deal. And they came back and they said, okay, we'll do the deal in those terms. I didn't get the highest price. Uh, but, but I really got great partners and they, they said in 16 years, we've never done a deal that we didn't have any sort of preference. And they were fantastic. Long Ridge, you know, uh, Anga, Jim Brown, Kevin Bott, the key people there were, were fantastic partners for us. But we got to a point where I think they had dumped everything they knew into our business and we just weren't feeling like, you know, they were able to take us to that next level. And we went to them and said, hey, we're interested in, in, in continuing to grow. I think we've outgrown you. They agreed. And so they helped us start the process. We hired an investment banker. We had, I think, 21 different people that submitted interest, you know, in making investments, some strategic, some household names uh, that, we, that we looked at and talked to. And and Bain, um, there were there were a few very at the end, but Bain really stood above everyone. They well, several things I loved about them is some of their investments they've held for twenty years. Uh, the, even though they're not quote unquote getting paid, um, they still held the investment. The resource group that Bain has is second to none. I mean, if you look at the dedicated people they have, whether it's cloud computing lead generation, sales, benefits, 
HR, they're, they've got a really deep bench of, of expertise. Bain's actually had four people here for the last, you know, three days, you know, as part of our conference. Um, and they just hired someone uh, that used to run American Express, uh, the platinum card for 11 years. They just hired them and they're dedicating them to help us maximize. We're building out. We, we also hired BCG, Boston, Boston Consulting Group. And we are well into several months spend on building out um, not just a lead, but an actual appointment for our advisors with qualified people. We're building a call center around that. And, and so Bain seeing the huge investment that they are really pushing us to make because no one's really built this in our, in our profession. The closest thing would be the custodian's referral program. Uh, and they said, you know, this is important enough to us that out of our own pocket, you know, we're going to give you this very, you know, high level caliber person that's going to, that's going to work with your team to maximize what you get from our, our resource group. So I know I've went on and on, but I, I say private equity, if you get the right partner is better than free because the, 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 the cost of capital is tiny, at least in our case, compared to the capabilities and the growth rate they can bring to an organization. Can you think of any any negatives, whether or not you experience them or not, of partnering with private equity or some of the things that people could maybe look out for? I, absolutely, Jeff. I've heard just the opposite. Um, I was on a call uh, with Bain when they asked me to talk to a prospect they were talking to, not in financial services. And they were trying to get out of a private equity deal that they had had where it was all just about cost cutting, you know, just about financial engineering, how to, yeah, how to get it as lean as possible and then, and then sell it and flip it. Mm -hmm. Now that was not what we were interested in at all with Bain. And, uh, and they've been very, very encouraging on the growth aspect of it. And also I wanted to remain in control. So, you know, yes. I think you've got a private equity firm that, had control, had the board seats, it might be a totally different relationship, but I control the board. Um, and I can even, I can dilute myself down quite a bit from where I'm at and still remain hundred percent in control of the, of the board, you know, with Bain as my partner. So I'm sure there are, I just haven't experienced that. I've had nothing but great experiences with, with both my private equity partners. What do you think about private equity's influence on wealth management? I think it's been a real positive. We do not need, it's a very, Wealth management in general is very inefficient. I mean, we don't need 100,000 compliance departments, 100,000 marketing departments. I mean, it's in, in the, and, you know, Adam Smith's invisible hands at work here. Um, the market is going to go to those that are, are efficient. It's causing consolidation, just similar to farming that was mm -hmm. consolidated in the 80s when I was growing up. And I mean, today, if you're not farming thousands of acres, you don't stand a chance of making it because of the cost to compete with technology, people, knowledge. Same thing is going to be true in wealth management. And a lot of advisors, I just don't think are prepared for it. I mean, the, you know, I think of, I always use the analogy, whether it's Shopco and Amazon or Netflix and Blockbuster, I think it's going to, it's going to, you know, the, the regulatory environment and it's difficult to operate in our professions. The only thing that's kept it from consolidating at a much faster pace, but we're on the eve of it. I mean, we all know the stats about how old everybody is. A lot of people have not kept up with, 
with investment in technologies. And a lot of the competition is not gonna come from the advisor down the street. It's gonna come from an Apple, Amazon, Google, someone who already has an incredible relationship and provides a seamless, frictionless, easy button experience you know, for the consumer. And I hear what you're saying, Ron, and I, and, and I, I read a lot of those stories and I talk to a lot of people that, that see this you know, movement toward bigger and bigger, but I also talk to a lot of advisors that are, are sole proprietors. And, and I'm not just talking about the legacy planners that have been doing this for 30 years and they're happy with their 200 million in, in AUM and gonna just run that that way until they're done. I'm talking to a lot of, uh, especially young people with these niche practices that are realizing they can do this from anywhere with a phone and a laptop. It seems like there's still a place for these much, much smaller operations. I mean, do you do you think that that's just a you know a fallacy, or 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 can those small operations coexist with? big firms like Carson Group. Jeff, you made it you you made you, you made a comment that I think is really right on and that is if you're going to be small, you better be really niche. Mm-hmm. Like you, you do something so unique and so different. The days of being small and being a generalist are gone. Because mm-hmm. my experience, I mean and by the way, let me just give you some stats here. Our average advisor last year grew 35.6% the we when Bain came in, they said the reason they they had never made us uh, an investment directly in the wealth management space ever, and the reason they got matter of fact our investment banker Mola said because I wanted Bain included they're like no you know they're not even aggressive they're really not interested in this space so I was the one that asked Bain to be brought into the process, and then they got super aggressive because we're growing three times faster organically than the next big uh, of RIA of any size that they looked at. And the reason we're growing so fast organically is our value proposition is resonating. So all those small generalist advisors, they're losing a lot of clients to our partners. And that trend is going to accelerate. Just imagine now, you know, we're spending $36 million on building out um, uh, this call center, you know, the, all the marketing, I've got a reality TV program running on Cheddar, then mm-hmm. Jamie's got one that'll run for six months. I mean, we've got a massive spin and we've got a way to actually bring them into the top of the funnel to the mid funnel, convert them through our proven process, which we, we've developed and taught a proven process for advisors. That smaller generalist advisor is going to be competing against these kinds of capabilities in the future. And does the small generalist advisor, can they keep up with the technology? Can they keep up with the people? Can they bring in the CPAs, attorneys, the trusts, the insurance, all of this stuff that people want? You know what people want more than anything is they want convenience. Mm-hmm. Convenience is right. Just Amazon has proven that, you know, Amazon is just, massive convenience that's why people use them netflix is really convenient i'd rather do that than go to blockbuster video and if these small advisors can somehow provide an amazing experience and keep up with the experience world and the experience world isn't just the other advisor it's amazon netflix google apple everybody that that the consumer interacts with every day i just don't think unless you are going after boeing or ford and you know all those benefits forward and backwards and you got really deep expertise in that area or 
like one of my partners is a great life coach, but there's no scale in that. You know, those clients are going to be safe for a very long time. But if you're out there just trying to compete with, you know, you know, uh, for example, client advisors say, what, what are you unique? I give better service. I care more. All that stuff. You're not going to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Bruce, Ron, in conversations with people about the marketplace right now, just as the, as the business, there's around 30 to 40 large aggregators out there is what people are telling me. Carson Group, I imagine, would be one of them. Did a column recently about people talking about the potential for a mega supersized merger this year. Because so far, it's been, you know, the aggregators buying the $500 million firms, the billion dollar firms, maybe as large as a $5 billion firm. But, you you know, what is your sense for the next stage of deals here? Because you're talking in praise of efficiencies and the like, and there's all this, there's a ton of capital out there that's hungry to do these deals. Do you see the potential for, you know, a, you know, a giant aggregator a la United Capital, who doesn't exist anymore, they got bought by Goldman, Goldman a couple right. of years ago, merging with something like the Carson Group or something? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, for sure. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or not, uh, but it's going to happen, Bruce. I mean, Are people talking gonna, about it. Yeah, we've we've. We've looked at a couple, um, looking at a couple that would be right. huge deals. There's a lot of hair on that stuff. And I want to just correct you for a second. We're really not an aggregator. If you look at our model, we've bought a few, but people um, and our model is you, you could, they can join and keep 100% of their equity and just plug into everything we're doing. Right. You have different ways of people. Different ways. With, yeah. yeah. And, and. Bruce, this is a major difference, and that's why we're able to build out this lead appointment setting program, is all of our offices are following a proven process where the aggregators are, I mean, I know um, Mercer, I think they have a consistent offering. Focus doesn't have a consistent offering, and most of the competitors we go up against, if, if you walk into any one of their offices, it's a totally different experience. So I think that the thing that has kept us from doing some of these big mega deals is we're not content in saying, oh, we'll just do the deal and you guys operate and do what you want. And everybody comes into it with, we've got our way of doing business. And, uh, and, and quite frankly, that's why our advisors are growing so fast as we deliver to them a singular proven process that we know works from the top of the funnel throughout the relationship. And I think for us, that's going to be the biggest barrier uh, to doing, doing a mega deal. I'm sure we'll do one or two. Um, and I think it'll be easier for, you know, some of the, the like the focuses to do uh, a mega deal than it will be for Carson. But again, as I said earlier, this isn't about being the biggest, it's about delivering our mission, which, which is to be the most trusted uh, for financial advice. Right. Well, you are talking about, you know, you did mention potentially up to a trillion dollars in assets, right? In the future. Absolutely. They, for the company. So that's pretty darn big, Ron. That you is gotta, big. But I think from a humble, is. you know, when you left LPL <laughs> a few years ago, and Jeff and I wrote about that, you know, I was looking at that those stories today, you had six or seven billion uh, under your roof, I think, back then. And now it's up to around 20 billion or so did we say or 25 billion i can't i can't remember i think it was we were we were 2.8 billion when we left lpl right we have nine folded or eight folded right since then. 
Yeah. Which is pretty impressive, you know? Um, and so uh, I'm sure you take a lot of pride in that and everybody in your, in your organization should, but you know, you gotta, you gotta do some big deals to get to that trillion dollar mark. I would imagine. Uh, I don't think so, Bruce. I mean, we will get there. We, I know we're going to do deals. There's no doubt in my mind, but if mm -hmm. we don't do another deal, we will be able to get there because if we really have um, uh, a value proposition that, that we have today and is continuing to be fortified every day, I think we can grow super fast organically uh, by, by just bringing in partners that plug into our system and right. believe, in, believe in our culture. And if we do a deal, it'll be it'll, the only way that we would do the deals if we can plug them into our existing systems. One of the things that I think kills these big organizations are exceptions. And as soon as you make an exception, there's a early on, you don't feel the cost, right? I, I remember as LPL, I wish they would have set me down and said, we'll do these exceptions for you, but here's what the future looks like. I would have said, wait a minute, let me really think about this before you do it. And a lot of the deals we've said no to is because they, they came with a lot of hair and a lot of exceptions and a lot of ways of doing business different than we do it. We're going to protect our culture, our integrity, the end result that we deliver to the client. That comes way before our growth rate. If I had an opportunity to say, hey, we could, we could be $100 billion tomorrow, but you got to run and you got to do all these things that are not in your core competency and that's the way you do business, we wouldn't do the deal. And we have demonstrated that. We've walked away from some really big deals that we could have done um, that weren't consistent with where we went. Now, there will be a shakeout. I don't know if it happens this year or five years from now, where some of these companies financially, you know, Carson has no debt today either, which I'm super proud of. We, we, we have zero debt and we have all kinds of capital. Um, and at someday we, we will have some debt, but the, those that have debt, if we get interest rates going up, we get the market going down, we're going to be able to do some big deals and we'll be able to do them um, on our terms within our desired proven process with the systems that we've built. Yeah, thanks for that, Ron. I mean, to me, it's always what, what you're kind of getting at is can you fit a big so-called aggregator into, you know, under your roof? And as a reporter about this business, that's one of the things that is always, um, I've always had questions about uh, the internal operations of these companies and how do they do they treat the, the, the guy in the corner office any differently? And they, and they do, Bruce, and it's a big mistake. I mean, I, when I first- Well, that goes back to the old brokerage days. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. Do you know how many um, uh, exceptions there are at LPL, I was told 18,700. How can you run a business with 18,700 exceptions? <laughs> well, let me just say, I didn't know Ron was going to say that about LPL and we didn't ask LPL to comment on that. <laughs> that was crazy. And I was, and I was part of the problem when I was there. Yeah. And you I'm were there for 30 years or something, 25 I have years. Nothing but years. great things to, to say about LPL. And I've said this publicly you know, after I left and I started building all the stuff I complained about that I didn't have, I was like, damn, this is hard and it's expensive. And it took a lot longer than I thought. And, right. uh, and I had a whole new appreciation for what, what LPL was faced against. And then I looked at their, you know, just how many companies they had acquired over the years and trying to make all that stuff work. I'm like, man, no wonder it was hard to, you know, to try and 
to make some of this stuff work. And quite frankly, there's a lot of it I don't think they'll ever be able to make work because they have too many, too many exceptions, too many different ways of, of doing business. And you come here, you got one way of doing business. We know it works. Hey, we're not for everyone, but if you want to grow, you want to have more fun than ever, uh, we figured out the formula for that. And what's the key? What's one key ingredient of that? Yeah, get get the get the founder. Right when the founder first started, 100% of their time was on leadership, growth, and client acquisition. And then slowly but surely, the complexity of their business increased to where they were spending little or no time on that. We simply gave all that time back because we centralized everything. We have best in class, whether it's CRM, portfolio accounting, whatever you want to, whatever service you want to include in that, and gave them 80% of their time back to just focus on leadership growth and client acquisition. And here's what, and I would love for you to at some point interview our partners. They are, they are having more fun than they've ever had. And they're growing three times faster than they did prior to partnership. The secret was giving them their time back. Ron, I got one final thing for you. I'm going to bring it back around to Burt White. Um, this is yeah. uh, he, you guys are in Omaha, Nebraska. He is based and lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, and which is where he was with LPL. Is he going to be spending a lot of time in the air? Will he be, will he be spending chunks of time in Omaha or will be, he be traveling mostly? Or do you see him being in Charlotte for the bulk of his time? Um, Bert, so uh, Jeff, this is a, our organization is, we hire great people and we get the help out of their way. And Bert will make that call. Um, I heard him tell someone yesterday that he plans on being in, in Omaha a lot. There's two direct flights from Charlotte to here. And, uh, but his team, um, you know, while we have 300 people here, we have people, we have what, between 160 locations, we have a, another 900 people scattered all over. Uh, he could be and work anywhere. We don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, what we care about is Bert's heart, his contribution, and his knowledge, and that'll be 100% up to Bert. All right. Well, we're looking forward to uh, the impact that Bert's going to have, and uh, uh, maybe we'll catch you two together at one of these events when you're when you're traveling the world. And looking forward to the Ron sense from the uh, base camp at Nepal. That's, oh, uh, yeah. When are you going, Ron? That's uh, I leave good. on the 6th of May and I get back to 27th of May. So it's a oh, my day track. <laughs> yeah. But good I'll luck, definitely do man. some recording. Thank you. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. That's going to be great. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate our relationship over the years. And thank you for doing such an awesome job covering our, our great profession. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Launching every Monday. Watch out for the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest, Ron Carson, head of the Carson Group. We also want to thank Angelica Hester, our producer. Find the podcast at investmentnews.com. Also at other platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. You can reach out to uh, Jeff and complain uh, via Twitter at Benji Ryder is his handle. Mine, you can also complain to me. At BD News, guys, my handle. Stay tuned because we'll be back with you and talking to you next week.